Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Friday, everybody. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, so good on a summer evening. Water, have to stay hydrated. Soft drinks, snacks, lots of snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Pickle, and also the six great flavors of slushies. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. It's time for that weekend barbecue. Stock up. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Best in the business. No getting around it. Outstanding. And they also have great pre-owned inventory. That may fit the budget better. Well, go to somebody where it's you know it's got that Sunbury Motors guarantee. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. We're going to hear from Neil Kulong in just a few moments, talk about the NFL. The Steelers are just a couple of weeks now, literally a couple of weeks away from training camp. That's how close it is. Greg Pickle on Penn State football recruiting in the next half hour as well. And then we got a lot more coming up in the final hour of the show today. It's great to have you with us today. Today's show again brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket, as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Welcome back to today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Let's bring in Neil Coolong. Sir, welcome. Great to have you back. I'm, I'm glad to hear your voice again. Not that it wasn't great last weekend as well, but I, I trust your uh, your vacation went well. Thank you. I appreciate that. It did. We had a great time. Great time. Um, and it's great to hear your voice again. You're the first guest we've had uh, back, so uh, that should tell you something. So. All right. First right. in line. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, can anybody make any rhyme or reason out of Devin Bush's thought process three weeks before training camp? Not, not at all. Not at all. Um, my God, I, a lot of that came up just sort of like it, it's it's a holiday weekend. You're out with the family. You get a Twitter alert on the phone. It's like, what is going on? I, you know what? I don't even want to know. Never mind. Um, it, whatever it is, I think it, we can probably say a combination of you're you're hoping he's healthy, he's ready to get back on the field. We don't know what his status is or what it's going to be. I don't think it's 100% that... Uh, he starts training camp on time, just given the the um, nature of the injury as well as the timing of it. But probably more than anything, it's July. Let's just hope that you know maybe everybody's a little stir crazy and the types of things that we've witnessed him um, discussing or liking in social media are not things that 
uh, are going to happen on the regular, and um, he can just get out there doing the things that he does really well, and he can do that uh, with two healthy legs and, and lead a defense that's still going to be among the NFL's best this year. Yeah, all right, so I mean, is there any idea where he stands physically? I have not heard anything, and I think that is probably intentional. Um, they don't like to release information unless it's something where they're going to cut a player, <laughs> David Castro. Yeah, um, right. In Bush's case, I mean, it, it, the, the injury is the same. was in November. Yeah. Um, we know from what we've seen in the past, from what the team has said in the past, they consider um, ACL tears and subsequent surgeries to be 12-month-long uh, rehabilitation processes. So with that, you have to think, you know, they expect the player, I, I should add this, they expect the player to be back to uh, 100% of what they're going to be moving forward after 12 months of, of rehab, of the work that they put in. That would mean if, if Devin Bush is on the field in late July, early August, he's a ways off from being 100%. So it, to me, it kind of suggests that maybe he opens the year on or opens training camp on the PUP list. He's not going to be out there for much training camp as he continues to, to rehab it. But uh, we've also seen guys get back on the field and look okay, maybe not 100%, but they're putting them out there earlier um, than, than perhaps we've seen in the past. So I don't know. I'm not exactly sure uh, what Bush's status will be. I think we'll, we'll find out about that um, you know, 10 minutes after the run test at, at La Trobe, um, July 27th or whenever it is that they report. So I don't know, but that's to me that's that's going to be one of the biggest questions early uh, for this team. And we know that he's not going to be 100 percent, not in the estimation of the Steelers, which comes from their their medical staff. Uh, he's not going to be at the point where uh, he was right before he got injured. So is it a, a, a total wash for the season? Are they going to kind of shut him down early and not really give him a camp and have him you know um, try to, to to continue rehabbing as best he can? to be healthy come, you know, October, November, or are they just going to throw him in the fire right away? I don't know. But um, the, the selection of Buddy Johnson perhaps had a reason. They needed to, to build some depth there because they know that they're going to be without Bush for, for the first uh, little while in, in training camp. I don't mean he's going to miss games, but I just looking at the timeline, I'm not sure if, if he is legitimately going to be 100% of the player he is. Whether he gets out there or not, I don't think it's the same thing. We need to see him. Um, you know, banging inside uh, uh, the tackles and, and chasing ball carriers down to, to see what type of player he is. And it'll be a little bit until we get to that point. But I, I don't think he's going to be 100% to, to start uh, training camp. All right. Uh, obviously, when you have a first pick, the first pick's going to go under a lot of attention. Of the draft picks that they have that they're going to bring in, Give me a couple guys you're looking at to see if they can be a part of this roster and maybe help out. You know, and it may not. It may turn out, Neil, that that they don't because just the way it is. But a couple guys you would like to keep an eye on to see if they're worth being on the team. Um, worth being on the team. Um, it, it's it's an interesting question for this year because I, I've said this on this segment before. I don't think they can cut any of the rookies. I think they have to keep them all. Right. Um, at the same time, though, they also have an expanded practice squad again this year. So um, you can get the rookies through camp and then 
typically there's kind of a, a unwritten agreement that you know the, the rookies they get cut at the end of camp you don't get to pick them up you let the, the team uh, have them clear waivers and then go through but for me I, I really like Buddy Johnson I, I, I like him as a college player I think he's yep. a bit undersized right um, he's a good player uh, I don't think he's big enough yet to, to be effective at the NFL level um, Quincy Rocher I think is, is somebody that uh, a, a lot of fans are, are really excited about uh, a lot of people say he was probably drafted a bit lower than, than he should have been um, I'm not sure I buy into that for an edge rusher edge rushers mm-hmm. typically don't fall in terms of value. There's a reason they didn't draft him that high. Um, that said, there are a lot of teams that view um, each round with different uh, philosophical lenses. And I, the Steelers seem to be a team that draft uh, six-round picks with the idea of them being contributors. Mm-hmm. They don't look at them as, as projects. They're not right. just throwing darts at a board. A player like that has um, you know, he has playing potential. He isn't an athletic freak. Uh, he doesn't really have the, the, you know, kind of the, the the pizzazz that you might get from a higher pick in terms of, of his athleticism or his size. But he's a guy I think can play in terms of uh, how he battles, um, the way he uses his hands coming off the edge. I, I think he's, he's a bit more advanced. Um, and I think he's a guy that they probably need uh, perhaps more than the other ones. So I, I think... Uh, to me, there's value in that. Um, being able to keep a player who can provide you some special teams depth as well as uh, your ability to, to rush off the edge. I, I think that's, by and large, what they're going to get uh, from all of the, all the players that they have this year are going to have to be able to contribute something. I think a lot of them are going to be kept and, and asked to play special teams right away because I really don't think they're they're overly deep. You know, I they, they're kind of kind of shallow overall, and certainly uh, for next year as well. Um, I think the one everyone's going to talk about, though, is probably Dan Moore, right. um, the, the tackle out of Texas A&M. Um, their tackle position is what they saw with the guard position this year. I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully here. It's yes, not, I, I, I don't know. need it exactly the same, but they have a Zach Banner is signed uh, to it. He, he signed a two-year deal but it's not difficult for the team to walk away from him after this season. And uh, Chuck Sikorafor is not signed next year. Right. They drafted a guy in the fourth round who shows that he can play a bit of zone. Um, he's not perhaps the, 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 the shining example of dominance at the tackle position that was available in this draft, but a year of, of probably swing tackle duty could lead him to a starting spot. But did they have that in mind when they drafted him in the fourth round? You know, to me, that's kind of the question. Let's see what he can do uh, behind some veterans. Let's let's see what he can do against you know kind of his uh, roster peers in preseason games. Um, I'm intrigued. I, I liked what I saw him in some ways. Um, I used to get excited about the the kind of mid to lower to not drafted players, the offensive linemen the Steelers would bring in. Um, they they developed those guys well. Um, it's not that I'm not excited about his his physical ability or his makeup or anything like that. Um, I think he was kind of a, a, a necessary pick for them in a lot of ways. It makes me wonder, did they really value him as a, a top 110 player, or is this a guy they, they had to draft um, it, at the spot they did to make sure that they got a tackle around the level that they wanted somebody to be? I'm, I'm curious about that with him. I, I can see that really going either way. I'm not sure how good he is overall. 
Uh, but there are a lot of things that you can like about him from a scheme perspective, from a, a, a zone-based run game, which all indications are that they're going to run that heavy this year. Uh, looks like he can do that. So they can build him into that perhaps for a starting job next year. They might need to do that, uh, depending on whatever happens with two players that don't really have great job security uh, who are going to start this year at tackle for him. With training camp coming up in three weeks, this, uh, the, the, with the NFL Players Association, and it's filtered down to all levels of football, there's less hitting than ever uh, when it comes to the camp. What does that do to the value of preseason games? Because for some players, especially those trying to make the team, that's where the hitting will take place. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I think a lot of teams can say, um, if, if we have to go light in terms of contact during camp, which they do, they have more days off than they used to, and the, the padded practices um, aren't as plentiful as, as they have been in the past. You get out on, on you know the preseason stage, you need to be able to hit somebody, and they're going to call stuff in order to do that. If you want to find out if your offensive lineman can handle you know straight-up power run blocking, you're going to call power runs. Um, that's a lot of what we see, I think, especially in the, the second half of most preseason games. Um, you, you need to get a good idea of, of how guys can handle uh, physical football at the NFL level um, under the, the stadium lights, as, as Mike Tomlin would say. Um, I think you need to do that. I think they eliminated a preseason game. So with that, I think they need to make up for it in some way. And I think those padded practices are probably going to be that level of makeup this year. Right. Um, a, a very popular one for the Steelers in training camp is backs on backers. Um, that's a fun drill to watch. Uh, it's, it's definitely very exciting to report on. Uh, I know it, it, you'll, some of the biggest headlines you'll get is backs on backers. Um, some random guy stands up a, a, um, a veteran linebacker and people go nuts. It's great. But by and large, I think they're going to need to find out if those guys can do that because, really, you're not blitzing uh, in preseason games. How can you ask your running backs to, to stand into a blitz if you don't have any idea what they're doing beyond uh, preseason action, which doesn't really happen? So, um for them, I think they're going to need to do those, more of those kinds of drills. Um, in, in a lot of ways, I think it just makes individual practices more physical um, than, than what we're used to seeing. And that can be good, it can be bad, it really kind of depends on how they handle it. But I think for, for this Steelers team, um, the defensive players are going to have to show a lot in order to make the, the roster, in order to, to show why they deserve to be there. Um, those positions are a lot more set in stone right now, I think, than what uh, what you're seeing on the offensive side of the ball. So to make it more physical, it's going to have to come within practice and probably things like backs on backers um, they'll have to do more of because they don't get that fourth preseason game mentality anymore. You know, um, Two of them might be kind of like that, but there are still a lot of snaps that they're not going to get to evaluate. So, yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. I wonder... Um, how Tomlin would respond to that if he says anything to it, but maybe we'll just have to ask him. How do you feel about the about? I know the NFL is the one that shot it down, not the Steelers. But is there any difference in your mind, and does it help you in some ways that they're just going to have the training camp in Pittsburgh for the second straight year, and not in Latrobe? You know, um, <laughs> I, I'm not reporting anything. I, I just do think it's very interesting that. 
if you were to give if you were to have given out a trophy last season for compliance with all the COVID stuff, if the Steelers didn't win it, they were in a hot contention for it. Oh, boy, we know so that, that, that would be the story here at Penn State in terms of the compliance yeah. with COVID. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it, Penn, I mean it, Penn State would have been an award winner if we trust that they did all of these things well last year. What happened to them not being compliant this year? I don't know how much I buy that, and I'm, I'm just saying it because it just seems weird to me. It, Mike Tomlin said plainly leading into the season. Whichever team handles this the best is going to be the champion. And they put a lot into handling it well. They spoke well to the message. They played several opponents who didn't handle it all that well, and they ended up suffering because of it. They handled it well. Why is it that they didn't get cleared to go to training camp? I, it, it's hard for yeah. me to think just plainly that they didn't. Maybe they don't really want to. Maybe they don't feel it's all that much of an advantage. Yep. I don't know. But to, to some degree, it, it totally depends on who you ask, but to some degree, the players are probably going to prefer to be at um, their, their headquarters, um, staying in a hotel as opposed yeah. to a dorm, right. those kinds of things. I, I think reasonably it, it's fair to, to you know dare suggest that players don't really like the, the throwback mentality that the fans do when it comes to training camp. And I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm not suggesting anything either. Um, I just think that maybe this is sort of, you know, the NFL can fall on the sword and the Steelers get another year to, to maybe inch into the idea that uh, they, they don't want to do everything at Latrobe anymore. This is another year that um, maybe there are some things that they can still do in Latrobe, but by and large, pretty much everybody nowadays is doing stuff at their headquarters. Um, the, the Steelers got a feel for that last year. Maybe they liked it. I don't know. But, you know, it, it, as we're talking here, we've spoken a bunch in the past of how mediocre the Steelers tend to come out and start the season, right? right. That, that's been a talking point for a decade with Mike Tomlin. They, they started off pretty well last year. Yeah. We weren't really complaining when they were yeah. four, five, six, seven, eight, and oh. Exactly. Neil, thanks so much. Greg Pickle coming up next as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. So thanks to Neil Kulong in the opening half hour. Greg Pickle in a few moments. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. It's summertime. You need to be fully stocked all the time. I know the 4th of July was last weekend. doesn't mean you can't barbecue this weekend. Tomorrow's supposed to be gorgeous, as a matter of fact, up and down the valley. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, plenty of snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. We've had so many humid days. Let's face it, they have not one but six great flavors of slushies. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. It is all at Brewer's Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. 
And we are in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, the best. Fabulous selection a pre-owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Great time to deal. Great sales staff that works with you. Fabulous service department. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Stanley Cup, of course, is in the rearview mirror. Finished a couple of days ago. NBA Finals shifting now to Milwaukee for Game 3 on Sunday night. Baseball will wind down this weekend, and then it'll be the draft. Uh, For those of you who have been watching the MLB Draft League in Williamsport and in State College, some of those players are going to get drafted. You know, a few, but some are going to get drafted. Uh, And that will happen in Denver. I believe the draft is going to be, I want to say Monday. They're going to do the draft on Monday. And some of those players will get picked up on Monday. It's 20 rounds, not 40. It's 20. Uh, baseball is scaled back on so many things. And it just you shake your head and you say, I just, I just don't think it's the right direction. But I'm not sitting in the business office there either. But we'll talk about a little bit about that later on. Uh, get Corey Geiger on the show about the business act, aspect of it. We've talked a lot of college basketball this past week because there have been a lot of players either keeping their name in the draft, like an Aaron Wiggins at Maryland, or pulling their name out of the draft, like Kofi, Kofi Coburn, who then put himself in the transfer portal to leave Illinois. So there have been so many names in and out of the draft because as the finals are going on, the draft is the end of this month. So they have a deadline as to keeping their name in or out. So we've gone through all the guys that affect Penn State in its schedule during the course of the year that have kept their names either in the draft or pulled their name out and have gone back to school. And, of course, there is college football. The dead period ended. They opened up the floodgates on June 1st. Penn State took care of camps, official visits, unofficial visits. The organization was incredible. And in the end... This month started with a flurry with six verbal commitments. And with that, we bring in Greg Pickle from Blue White Illustrated. Greg, moving from Penn Live to BWI. First of all, congratulations on that move, and great to have you with us. Steve, thanks so much. I really am enjoying my start over there and getting to interact with some different readers and everything. And, of course, staying in touch with the Penn State fan base. So it's been good, and I'm glad to be joining you this afternoon. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, first of all, in one of your final assignments at Penn Live, you and others did a great job of putting the story together that showed that Pennsylvania, in the budget, had included the provisions for name, image, and likeness. That was really well done. Yeah, I appreciate that. And obviously, it was part of the school code package that was passed as a part of Pennsylvania's budget legislation, which I don't think anyone really thought would be the way that NIL legislation got done in the state, but they found a way to get it in there. And I think it's good. I think it's pretty standard compared to what most other states have done so far. And it's not too far off from what the NCAA has passed for uh, states that, you know, schools and states that don't have any kind of legislation in place yet. So, 
you know, it's pretty standard, but I think that's good. I don't see it as putting Penn State uh, athletes, student athletes, at a disadvantage in any way, shape, or form. And obviously, there's a lot to figure out on this front. You know, everyone jumps feet first into it on July 1st, and we'll see how things shake out. I think it's going to look a lot different in September and in December than it does right now, but at least that's in place. It's a guidepost for athletes, for schools, for everyone to kind of start figuring this thing out, and we'll see where it goes from here. But, you know, the one thing that I kept going back to, the more I read the legislation and everything else, is that even though it's a little bit ambiguous and even though maybe there's some questions still to be answered, I have no doubt that James Franklin and his staff have a very good plan in place. So does Sandy Barber and the rest of the athletic department for the non-football student athletes to be able to maximize this as much as possible. And will it, there will be some bumps in the road? Sure, absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. And will there be some times when things pop up that are a surprise? Yeah, sure, because this is a new world for everyone. The people uh, dealing with it from the athletic side of things, obviously the players and everything like that so there'll be some hiccups but so far so good and I think you know like I said the PA law keeps Penn State athletes in a good place moving forward all right so that brings this up obviously everything's new but Penn State has been preparing for it in any contact you've had with recruits or people who are around recruits has this topic come up not just Penn State but the name image and likeness topic come up among those who are being recruited Yeah, it has a little bit. I think most of those kids are just trying to figure out where they want to go play college football. And now this is a part of that equation, but it's also new. And I think that schools across the country had to be a little bit careful about over-promising or overselling what they would be able to do in this regard because ultimately it comes down to first whatever the NCAA was going to do, which during the June quiet period there really wasn't a lot of clarity on that. So you were relying on your state, and I think some states obviously were at the forefront of this, Florida being one of them, where there was a pretty clear plan in place and when things were going to go into effect and things like that. And in a lot of other states, Pennsylvania included, you know, it was kind of a big waiting game where you could kind of hint at what you were going to be able to do and what you think was going to happen, but you weren't sure until that budget was finally signed into law that included this language late last week. So, yeah, I think that recruits are definitely interested in it, and it's obviously something that will become even more of a sales pitch down the road. But I think initially it's like it's like a lot of the, the current players who are dealing with it. It's wait and see. It's wait and see how things shake out. It's wait and see what things come available. So, you know, it's not maybe making as much of an impact now beyond the obvious factor that it's there. And then it's something that recruits parents and recruits are going to certainly ask about when they come to a campus, what can you do for me in this regard? But that's going to be a question I think much easily answered down the road when some of these deals are in place, some of this stuff is more fleshed out. And, you know, you can actually point to, look what our guys got for this, look what our girls got for that, depending on what sport we're talking about. So I do think that within the next six months and definitely in the class of 2023, we're going to see this be a much bigger part of the game. Right now, I think it's more of a curiosity than anything else, but certainly, Steve, it's being discussed. Last time on the Penn State Coaches Show, which was back in April, one of the guests was Andy Frank. And I asked Andy about the organization it would take starting June 1st to do camps, visits, and to make things happen. Well, they've gone through it. And so far, the fruits of the labor have been six verbal commitments. What's your thought on what Penn State has been able to do so far in the recruiting trail now that everything has opened up over the last five weeks? 
Yeah, it's been a run quite like any that we've seen in the James Franklin era. I mean, they've had some very good runs in the past in terms of getting guys in bulk. You know, the 2020 class had a big run in the summer, spring and summer of 2019 that really helped put that class together when all was said and done. I think it was something like 13 commits between late June and the day after July 4th. So we've seen something like this before, but I don't know if it was quite the same level of quality. Very good group signed that year and a lot of very good players committed, but this has just been a run where if you're Penn State, you went into June hoping to maximize your June visit window and knowing that you were going to have to do that because this early part of July and all of July, really, was going to be jam-packed with commitments. Kids were going to come off of those visits. Some kids saw five schools that they have never seen in person before. Some kids saw five officials and three or four unofficial visits. Some kids took some kids took two or three official visits, and that was good enough for them to come back and decide. But it was always going to go this way, where once those visits were made, kids were going to say, you know what, I want to decide before my senior season. This is going to be, in some cases, for some kids, a normal senior season compared to last year. Or for some guys, they're going to be just getting on the field because they didn't get a fall season or a spring season, depending on where they live. So my point is you knew you were going to have to maximize this time, and Penn State's done it. You know, you go back even to – Late July, when Tyler Johnson, a three-star receiver from Virginia, committed, you know, that was a product of a couple of good visits in June once those were allowed again. And then, yeah, this latest run has just been a product of not just in-person recruiting, but all of the electronic and virtual recruiting Penn State did with these guys prior to them even being allowed to come to campus again. You know, J.B. Nelson, the Lackawanna College offensive lineman who was the first commit of the weekend last uh, last Friday, you know, he's a guy who earned an offer during camp, so he may not be the best example of this, but, you know, they still had to stay in touch with him, and then when we look at uh, Keon Wiley, Caleb Ortiz, St. Durant, Tyrese Fearbright, of course, uh, Nick Singleton, the four-star running back out of Governor Mifflin, you know, there was a lot of work done via Zoom, via FaceTime, via all sorts of unique ways to recruit that these schools and these coaches have never really had to deal with before to get to this point. And obviously you impress them on the visit. Obviously you roll out the red carpet and they get a lot of time with James Franklin or, or you know, Mike Yurcich or Brent Pride, depending on the side of the ball they're on. And, you know, that kind of stuff goes a long way, but you had to put yourself in position to even get that visit in the first place or to be in that top group in the first place. So as impressive as this run is, based on the fact that a lot of these kids, uh, or all of them really, visited it before, visited school, the campus during June before committing in July. I think you have to point out, too, the amount of work that went into it through virtual and electronic communication that led to these decisions after the visit. All right, so let's get to the Pennsylvania component of this. Look, everything goes in cycles. So you may have a year where, talent-wise, other areas that you work hard at, have more talent than maybe you do in state, and then there's some years where in state you've got a lot of talent. Ten of the 18 players that have verbal to Penn State so far, including the latest one yesterday, are from Pennsylvania. What kind of statement has James Franklin and the staff made about the state? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that we know the guys that we want in any given cycle, and whether they're from Pennsylvania, whether they're from the Mid-Atlantic, whether they're from outside of it, we're going to go get those guys, and we're going to lock them up. And it just so happens, as you know, Steve, that a lot of those guys in this class are from the state of Pennsylvania. I mean, it was a loaded year in the Keystone State, and it's funny because a lot of times there's one prospect where everyone wrings their hands over and can't believe Penn State didn't get out of Pennsylvania, and he might be really one of the only top-tier guys, so to speak, in 
in the state that year, and that makes him the focus. But there are obviously guys from other states and in around the region and that that radius around State College that James Franklin makes so important and Penn State makes so important in recruiting that Penn State did a really good job in. But sometimes the focus just comes back to Pennsylvania and why couldn't Penn State keep all of the PA kids or the top PA kids in state? And this is one of those times where, for the most part, they have. I mean, they're not going to get all of them. And I White, the, the five-star defensive lineman from Philadelphia, is probably headed south. But by and large, Penn State was able to take advantage of a strong year in state and a strong recruiting plan for those guys, even dating back for most of them until 2018 or 2019 when they were younger, but were able to visit campus and they put themselves in position to get to this point. And you push a little bit when guys get on campus and you identify some guys that are maybe higher up your board than you thought, or you get guys like Bo Prabula and and, uh, Makai Flowers and Anthony Ivey who are from central Pennsylvania and have always kept an eye on Penn State or Drew Shelton, who of course is now at IMG, but is from Downingtown, where obviously uh, Penn State has picked up some players from there in the past. So, you know, you put it all together, and it's a statement, but it certainly is just another example of when they decide where they're going to go and get guys during the James Franklin era, whether it's Pennsylvania, whether it's a little bit further out of the region or what have you, a lot of times they're very successful. And it shows in the recruiting rankings since he's been here. And, look, it's not fail-proof. It's not 100%. They don't bat a 1,000. But so far, so good in this class in both PA, <coughs> excuse me, Steve, and then just in general uh, with the rest of the recruiting they're doing in other parts of the country. Right. Um, what have you sensed? Normally part of this is your best recruiters are your players. Uh, also, some of your best recruiters can be the people you've recruited and verbal to you. So what kind of communication are you sensing from the current players to the players Penn State's recruiting? And what kind of communication is happening, Greg, among those who have actually verbally committed to try and convince other people to come here? Yeah, you know, we were talking about this this morning a little bit. Obviously, you need good players on your current roster when these visits come around. And, look, they do stuff – uh, beyond the visits that can help get guys to Penn State, but they're your player hosts when visitors come to campus and recruits come to campus. So you need them to be locked in, and you need them to have a good weekend when those kids are in town. Show them all of the great things that there are to do around State College and, and be able to answer questions about anything from academics to downtime to obviously playing for this coach or fitting in that system or being at Beaver Stadium or what have you. So that's obviously a key component. But the other thing is that, to your point, Steve, these commitments of which there are 18 now, you know, I don't know if you want to count the guys that just committed so much because obviously they haven't had much time to do any peer recruiting, but the guys that were in the boat before this this group that just joined, I mean, they have, for the most part, made no secret about the fact that they will do what it takes to connect with guys, to make guys feel welcome, to make guys feel like Penn State's the place for them, and it's a part of the success they're having, there's no question. It's not every cycle where you get guys, or a lot of guys, that are like that and that are willing to go that extra extra mile and put the time in to bring other top players to Penn State, but they have it now and they've taken advantage of it, you know, and I hate to single out anyone in particular, but obviously Ken Talley, the defensive lineman from Philadelphia, is a guy whose name comes up a lot, Jerry Cross, the Wisconsin tight end, his name comes up, obviously the quarterbacks are playing a role here, you know, it's really everyone who is committed to Penn State is putting in the effort to bring players in with them, and I think you're seeing the, the you know, how well that's paying off uh, with the commitment run they have here, but just with the fact that 
we're talking about a top five class in general. And look, there's going to be some adjustments in those rankings, right? I mean, there will be schools that pick up commitments and schools that pick up five stars and shoot up there. But this is a top 10 class in the works for Penn State right now. And so, a lot of, you know, you can put it on the coaching staff, of course. You can put it on just the program trajectory in general and the current roster as well. But there are also a lot of guys who are verbally committed, not signed to Penn State yet, who are helping make sure that more talent joins them in Penn State now, at Penn State rather down the road. Which then brings us to the next part. That's the crystal ball. So what do you see here over the next few weeks? There's obviously be, going to be some big names that always wait till later anyway. So do you expect anything else coming down the, you know, the pike here in a short period of time, or do we have to play the waiting game? It's going to be the waiting game, right? So I mean, obviously when you come off a run like Penn State did, Steve, you're not necessarily uh, – you know, you're not necessarily expecting another weekend quite like that because it's just almost impossible to follow up. But throughout the rest of the month here, there's obviously going to be some decisions that are made and that will impact Penn State both positively and negatively. You know, the one I'll focus on is Deny Dennis Sutton, the uh, big-time defensive lineman out of Owing Mills, uh, McDonough, which, of course, has sent a bunch of players to Penn State. He's going to decide in a couple of weeks. And it seems to be down to Georgia and Penn State. So can they reel him in? Can they get the latest uh, big-time defensive line recruit from Maryland and look they have some pretty good defensive linemen in this class already they have some really good players in this class already and I think if uh, you know Penn State fans are following this one closely because he would be really the cherry on top so to speak of what is already a really good class in the works so it's going to be a fight until the end and they're going to have to outslug the Bulldogs and fight off an SEC foe but they have all the things that they need moving in the right direction and it's a toss-up and that'll be the one I think that that people watch closely and there'll be some other ones to watch too there's no question about that but he's going to decide on July 22nd and Penn State fans will be counting down to that day uh, waiting to see where he ends up because he could really be a cornerstone piece of this class if he would choose the Lions. Thank you so much sir it's great to have you at BWI you'll do great work there like you have everywhere else. I appreciate it, Steve. We'll catch you up soon. Thanks again for having me on. Ray Pickle, Blue White Illustrated. Always great to have him on. Great uh, opening hour of the show with Neil in the first half hour and Greg in this half hour. Great to have you with us today on this Friday as we head into the weekend. Tomorrow's going to be beautiful. I mean, Elsa's now out of here. Tomorrow's going to be a beautiful day, so enjoy it. Get together with some people. Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. You got wine coolers, water soft drinks, snacks, lots of snacks. They have six great flavors of slushies. And the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills, indeed, second to none. It's all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. BenJonesStateCollege.com is coming up in the next half hour. We'll talk to Ben about Penn State football, name, image, and likeness. Training camp is on the horizon just four weeks away, and Ben will talk about that and more in the next half hour. Great to have you with us on this Friday, sponsored by good friends at Brewers Outlet on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping, and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury, wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle with a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 